This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 137. Jason O'Callaghan on hypnotic fishing lines. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. And once again, we are reaching out internationally. Hey there, it's Jason Lynette and reaching out across the pond over to Dublin, Ireland to another Jason, a gentleman by the name of Jason O'Callaghan, someone you might not have yet heard of, yet chances are you have seen some of the news stories about Jason over the years. And in this conversation, we're going to get into the origin story in terms of how he transitioned from a successful career working as a journalist, uh, venturing into the fields of psychology and then arriving inside of hypnosis and as these powers combine bringing about this mentality which definitely comes into the title of this program of casting out those fishing lines and creating business in places where typically people wouldn't find it. There's an amazing tone of the conversation that we're going to get into that some of you might have a bit of a surprised response to in the aspect that Jason operates, as you'll hear it, this mindset of the Chinese buffet methodology of booking hypnosis sessions. It's a one-time fee, and you're able to come back as many times as you like. You know, the same way that you can go up and get more of that chicken fried rice, as much as you'd like when you're at that Chinese food buffet, which may invoke fear in a lot of this audience, though you're going to hear inside of this a very ethical way in terms of addressing the client responsibility inside of that process and respectfully dangling that carrot in front of the client to really position them for outstanding success and a full attitude, as we're going to talk about, of transparency. The transparency that's absolutely necessary, I feel in the beginning, to get the client interaction on track for that ultimate of success, that it's within your responsibility to give your client every strategy and every reason as to why they're going to be successful, and at the same time, point out politely the strategies, the mindsets, the things that would not make them effective. So really, we're giving them that tool, um, connecting it back to the title of this program, Hypnotic Fishing Lines. We're not just giving them the fish, we're also teaching them to fish. This is becoming a very pescatarian style of uh, podcast intro here, but we're going to keep rolling with it. Be sure to head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com to get the links to get access to Jason's stage hypnosis website, as well as uh, access to learn more about the D4 clinic. And when you get there, by the way, make sure you click, I'm on the page right now, on the left column in terms of press area, some incredible stories that are inside of here that you're going to hear Jason talk about in this conversation of harnessing stories that are already in the news and then reaching out and using that as a mechanism. So whether it's harnessing the popularity of the remake of Stephen King's It or specific client successes, as they call it over in Ireland, spaghetti hoops, as we call it over here, uh, SpaghettiOs, uh, getting someone to break that old pattern of uh, being stuck on one specific food, the old picky eater pattern, or even specifically taking one client's success story of overcoming a fear of flying and turning that into a media-worthy mindset. Some outstanding information there. For more on running your business, you can also, of course, head over to Hypnotic Business Systems. 
Hypnosis.com. This is the entire digital all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library. Everything from search engine op- optimization, how to build your websites, how to market effectively on Facebook, how to turn live talks and networking into business building opportunities, as well as several done-for-you marketing campaigns, which you can plug into use right away. It's the roadmap behind how I've built three separate six-figure businesses inside of my hypnosis business, and you're able to get access to that right away for just $47. Jump right in at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. And without further delay, let's jump into this outstanding conversation, which, small little side note, stick with this recording. We had some connectivity issues, as I was calling a cell phone over in Ireland from my computer systems over here. So there are some moments where the audio quality does kind of drop down just a little bit. It's brief. It comes right back Again, though the content, the actionable strategies in this conversation with Jason, they are potentially life-changing, provided you put them into use yourself. And with that, let's jump right in. This is session number 137, Jason O'Callaghan on Hypnotic Fishing Lines. So I've been training for four years as a psychologist in Ireland. Um, when I decided to a friend to sort of think that stage hypnosis would be a cool thing to learn. And uh, that really is my clinical and stage hypnosis were completely different. So I did my National Guild training in Ireland um, around 2011, 2012, somewhere around there uh, as a night course, uh, just along with a lot of rate of night courses I was doing was part of my degree. Uh, I had no idea I'd end up being a full-time. It was just sort of a eureka moment. Uh, during the training, and I think the eureka moment during the training was when I heard about the gastric band hypnotherapy. Uh, that's why that that side of things just kind of jumped out at me an awful lot because once I saw that product idea, I I, I jumped on it and I made that really the core of my clinic once I started uh, as soon as I graduated. Yeah. So what was the path? What was the track that you were originally on before sort of stumbling upon the hypnosis? I, I had retired from being a journalist after a decade. I had just finished a, a degree in psychology and I was doing a master's in psychology. And I was just planning on becoming, you know, going the, the, the route of the clinical psychologist eventually, you know, um, after my master's. And then I came across hypnosis, a clinical hypnosis, and became sort of completely engrossed in it. Um, and did my master's degree on uh, hypnosis, hypnotherapy for cancer patients. Uh, I had to reduce stress in cancer patients, and that's sort of where it began. And then I went to to, to Tampa shortly after that, a year or two in, and trained with, with Will Horton to get my uh, my certificate in uh, my CI certificate. And then it's sort of been a roller coaster uh, since then, really. I've ditched every other type of therapy I was doing, including you know, counseling and psychotherapy and mindfulness. I've trained in all of them, and now I do 100% uh, clinical and stage hypnosis. That's my full time gig now. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding. So there's a whole bunch of directions I wanted to chat with you inside of this. Uh, but I want to go back to that moment where you mentioned, you know, encountering the virtual gastric band. If you kind of had to unpack it now, what was it about an approach such as that that you think really grabbed your attention early on? I think I think a lot of people who do, I don't have to tell you this, I think a lot of people who do what we do are very good, maybe therapists, they may be very good therapists, they may even be very good at stage, but especially I'm specifically talking about the therapy side of things, which most people will do during the day and then stage stuff at night. 
Um, and I find that there's an awful lot of very good therapists, but not a very good a lot of business people or marketers. So a lot of people who are in this business know the the therapy side of things, and they most have the most empathetic feelings and the caring and so on. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But without sales, you don't have a business. And when I thought of gastric band hypnotherapy in, in my country, especially in Ireland, uh, the UK, I think Paul McKenna had brought out a book in, in the UK, but he was only bringing it out at that stage. And I was the sort of first to market the gastric band hypnotherapy in Ireland. And I just saw that as a, as a beacon. And I said, you know, this is a good sales way to sell hypnotherapy two people in a sort of package, if you like, rather than just saying weight loss hypnotherapy. This was a gastric bound hypnotherapy, even though the principles behind it, once I do it on a day-to-day basis, are pretty much the same as any weight loss hypnotherapy. But it makes it easier for the people outside the hypnosis world to understand and to visualize what it is that we do. Yeah, yeah. That in terms of bringing in just that magical element that's going to create some of that shift where... You know, there are some people in our communities that would be very negative about the phrase of somebody having the expectation of some sort of magic wand. But then again, on some small level, that's part of why they're calling a hypnotist. Exactly. And I think what I've learned in the past five years, I would do primarily in my clinic weight loss and smoking. That's primarily the bread and butter that I do. Um, you know, it would be 40% weight loss, 40% smoking, with 20% of the other stuff, if you want to call it that, you know, selective eating disorder, um, insomnia, stress management, and so on, so on. Um, so it's a huge part of the business. Now, I, when you say the magic bullet or the magic wand effect, which a lot of people do think they'll come in and go, hypnotize me to eat healthy, or hypnotize you to believe I have a smaller stomach, which is fine, but the, the other side of the coin is that when you do that, they... There's no point in being hypnotized to eat healthy if you don't know how to cook. There's no point in being hypnotized to eat healthy if you have no healthy food in your house. Right. You know, that's great. You can go home and go, I want to eat healthy. So my program that I've developed uh, over the past few years has incorporated the science of weight loss, the educational parts of weight loss, along with the hypnotherapy part to increase the awareness so that people will, will be aware more and stop eating, you know, stop themselves eating. So it, it's a whole process that I do now, which mixes the principles of education, uh, behavioral therapy, psychology, and clinical hypnosis. So we would give a whole folder to people, like you know, I call it a syllabus for people who come in for weight loss. Uh, and what we do is it includes food charts to write down what they eat. It includes recommendations for Netflix, for documentaries on obesity. It includes mm-hmm books that, you know, for cooking, you know, quick, quick 15 minute healthy recipe books and so on. It includes using a blue plate and the science of the blue plate we found is a great marketing tool as well because we give every client for weight loss their own, what we, what you would call in America, a breakfast size break, a plate. And it has to be a specific color as well. And before, before you hear us, what, what, why are you giving a blue plate? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's an unusual it's an unusual thing. The reason is it's very, very simple and I explain it to people. First off, people tend to eat massive portions. Now I was looking at statistics this morning showing that in America alone they have the biggest obesity crisis in the world. There's yes. more than I think the Irish are around fifteenth, the Japanese are the, are the skinniest, but the Americans are the biggest. So it's got to do with portion size. So just changing the, the, the plate, we give people a smaller plate, which as I said, if you can imagine it's not a small side plate. It's not a big dinner plate. It's a breakfast plate. It would be a fish plate the size. I think that's the official name for it. And we would give it to them in a turquoise color. So uh, a very light sort of Tiffany blue, if you want to call it that. That's the color we give. And people say to me all the time, why do you give these people a plate? Uh, Why do you buy them a plate? Surely they can do it. First off, for years, we've said to people, buy a small blue plate. They didn't do it. 
they would come back for sessions uh, a week or a month later and say, oh, I haven't got around to it. So if they cost a dollar each, I go and buy a stock of them, keep them in the clinic and give them to every new client. So they have no excuse. Yeah. The reason why we give them is A, the size, B, because scientifically people eat less food off a blue plate. And you say to me, well, what, why are you eating less? That doesn't make any sense. Well, you look at the science behind it. There is, we have to look at two things. We look at genetics and we look at evolution. First off, Within our genetic factor, we're pre-programmed to overeat because there wasn't some food for so long. Now, also, when it comes to the color, if you saw someone a picture of a, there's someone on the internet of a blue painted chicken, you know, a roast chicken that's painted, <laughs> they will immediately balk at the thought of it. The reason is within nature, for 10 million years, 100 million years, there was no blue food. There still is no blue food occurring in nature. So as a hunter-gatherer, we never looked for blue food. And before the critics jump in, blueberries are purple. Go on. (laughs) Exactly. Blueberries aren't actually, and especially they're not bright blue, you know? Right. Unless they're radioactive. Um, You know, bright blue slushies don't count. No, no. And I'm flashing to what is it? The the, the pickles that are sometimes this neon-colored green, which is a color that does not occur naturally either. (laughs) Exactly. So if you look at someone giving someone a smaller portion because they're having a smaller plate, that will help them. Secondly, you give them a blue plate. And the reason we give them the blue plate in that color is because there's no naturally occurring foods in that color. So the brain finds it naturally an appetite suppressant. Plus, my own theory as well is that as prehistoric man, when we came across food and the food was rotting, like meat especially, it goes a color of blue. So again, genetically over psychological evolution, we'll see that people would avoid blue food because A, it didn't occur in nature, so they couldn't hunt for it, and B, when they came across meat that was gone off, it wouldn't do so. And the proof of this, whether people think this is the ramblings of some crazy psychologist in Ireland, is if you look uh, in your own country, if you look at McDonald's, you look at Eddie, well, we have uh, Johnny Rockets you would have over there. Yeah. Um, if you look at Burger King, if you look at um, all, all these chains, KFC, for example, there is not blue in any of the fast food chains. Hmm. For the exact reason I'm telling you. I love it. I love it. Stunned silence. Yeah, there the you mindset. Go. silence. <laughs> you can Google this. People can Google this. Jason, I've heard you talk about it before. It I wanted to share the story. But <laughs> inside yeah, of it, though, yeah. what I love about that is that mindset that, you know, yes, there's the aspect of the subconscious reprogramming by way of hypnosis. But at the same time, there has to be that element of, you know, changing that environment. I love what you said around, you know, here's a client I had in the office the other day that um, I'm just listening to the dynamic of what's in the house and basically to build that environment for success, it's that old phrase that there's no change without change. So to start to shift that environment on one side of things, let, let me ask you this, inside of your sessions, are, are these things that now you're using the hypnosis to then reinforce as a conscious hook or are these entirely secondary to the hypnosis, would you say? I, I consider anyone who comes to, and we're talking specifically, I personally have lost over 30 pounds using these methods myself um, over the past five years and kept the weight off. And that's sort of, I was the canary in the coal mine, if you want to call it that. <laughs> I have a blue plate in my own house. I use a food diary for my own food. I listen to hypnosis uh, directly or indirectly every day. Uh, I learned to cook. You know, again, there's no point in sitting at home and saying, right. I gotta eat healthy food. I should be eating the stir fries. I should be eating the salads. I should be drinking more water. Um, but then you go to the cupboard and all you've got is cookies and, and, and chocolate bars. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's not gonna work. There has to be the practical side of it. And that's why I would say, especially therapists who are working in the weight loss field, and a lot of therapists we know from conventions don't want to do it because it's so hard, but it's highly lucrative. And it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of demand that you know how to do it correctly. 
Um, another method that I use, and I talked about this uh, when I was uh, in, in, uh, in Boston recently at the convention, was I use what's called the Chinese, um, the Chinese restaurant uh, buffet method. And yeah. people again ask, what are you talking about? This is the one price. Um, I think Robert in San Francisco might use something similar, but I know we're the only two people who do this. We charge one price, and it's unlimited sessions, but it's results-driven for weight loss. So clients have to lose you know, a certain amount of pounds in between sessions if they want to come back and continue your program. So from a business point of view, it's a very unique model, but it's a very efficient model. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, how frequently are people coming back to you then inside of that? It goes in, yeah, it goes in, that would be, you know, some people have said to me in therapy, oh, well, you're coming back all the time, your diary is full of people who aren't paying. Not at all. It works in three categories, I will say, the people who can break it, the hundred people that will come in as clients, as clients in the three categories. Um, the first third of people will come in, they will pay the full fee in advance, that's the rules. They will get their plate, they will get their structures, they will do hypnosis, they will put, we record all sessions, put it on people's phones. Uh, and then that's all right. Go off and start start living. Start living the life that we showed you. Live, following the hypnosis, doing everything. And we may never hear from them again. But that's it. They pay. They've gone. I met a guy recently at a wedding who had lost sixty pounds and had just done one session with us because because we record the hypnosis. They do it again and again at home. You see, they don't need to keep coming into the clinic every day or even every week because the hypnosis is recorded. Uh, so they will redo the session at home. Uh, and combine, and that's fine, and that's a, a portion of people. Second portion of people will come back in for maybe three or four sessions over a number of months, maybe six months to 12 to 12 months. Um, and then you've got people who come in more frequently, you know? Uh, so it works in, in, and they're the people who sort of will have lost 60 pounds, 70 pounds, 80 pounds, 100 pounds, 200 pounds. And, but what we do with them is if they hit those type of targets after you know, six months or a year, we will refund them their fee in order for them to become sort of ambassadors for the clinic so we can use them in our media on our website so they, they lose the weight, then they get their money back as well. I love that. So the mindset that, again, Chinese buffet, as, you, as you've branded it, that they can keep coming back yeah. for more. But again, I love that nuance that they're able to rebook that next session provided they've lost the weight. So you're dangling that carrot and yeah, also exactly. putting it, that... It, we usually say around five pounds, which isn't much. It would be sort of a pound a week, mm -hmm. you know, which isn't really much to ask in general. You know, you kind of cut your calories down and you kind of do a bit of walking and, you know, cut back on your, your sugar and junk food. It's not that hard, especially if you're someone who's, who's slightly heavier in weight. You know? Well, especially so, in the early stages, the as, that, they're, as they're kicking off, there's a lot more weight to be lost and it's easier to see those bigger numbers exactly. in the early days. Exactly. And then, then by the time they're getting down to the smaller numbers, they've already changed the behavior. So it continues. But the reason was because for so many years, you would get people in, you would do the standard sort of three sessions over three weeks or four weeks. And on the second session, they'd come back in the day and they'd say, how are you doing? And they'd go, I'm not doing well. It's not working for me. And the first question you ask is, are you doing hypnosis and everything that I showed you at home? Oh, no, I haven't had a chance. Mm -hmm. So my, my line to those people, is that to be equivalent of you going to the gym, paying your membership, not going to the gym for a month, and then coming back to the gym a month later complaining that the gym doesn't work. You know, you cannot lose weight with hypnosis if you do not do hypnosis. It doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. Yeah, thank you for that, by the way. I love that phrasing of it in terms of, you know, it's it's a tool, but you've got to put the tool into use is the phrasing that I'd often use. Yeah, what what I'd be curious about. But yeah. unless you study, you're not going to pass. You know, just signing up for the course doesn't automatically mean you're going to uh, you're going to get the qualification. So that's that's a, a personal responsibility. And what's interesting is we brought that 
ideology to our stop smoking program. And we've done the same thing very successfully because we found, again, that any therapist who've been doing this over the years have said, right, here's the price. You stop smoking. If you don't, if you have a problem, you know, we might give you one free session. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I was taught. Now, what we've done is we've introduced in Europe one session and you start off at obviously one price, but you can have unlimited follow-up sessions. This uh, takes away another excuse. The other excuse is it didn't work for me or it stopped working after six months. What happens is if it's free to come back, it can't fail because the only way it would fail is if you didn't come back. Mm-hmm. There's no cost, you see. And again, that method is very unique as well. You're getting a full fee at the start. You're saying to people, we'll give you as many sessions as you want. All you got to do is want to quit. So they have no get out of jail card. They can't just go, oh, that didn't work. Because if your husband or wife came home and said, I did hypnosis. Oh, it worked for three months, then it stopped working. They can just say, well, you can go back. It's free, isn't it? So the people who want to quit will come back. And people who really didn't want to quit, don't. And there's nothing we can do for them anyway because they didn't want to quit. So let me ask you this, because I always love to go inside of the actual thinking inside of it. Um, were these ideas that you had when you first launched and opened up, or did they evolve out of necessity, or what was kind of the workshopping to get to the style of working with people? I, I would consider myself a 50% a psychologist, hypnotist, and 50% a salesperson and marketer. Um, and that's a, that's a balance that's essential. And as I said, it's about, I don't want, it's a personal thing. I don't want people coming back in every week saying this isn't working for me, wasting my time and them doing absolutely nothing. So it's, it's born out of necessity. And as well, it's born out of sales because people will say, can you tell me what the numbers, how successful is weight loss, um, which are how successful is smoking? And I, my line is, well, if you do what I show you, you lose the weight. However, if you do nothing at all, well, then you won't lose the weight. And that's a, a fair assessment yeah. uh, for these people as well. You know, it's, it's, if you, I do my part, uh, if you do your part, and I'll stick with you for as long as you need, if you do your part. So there's no, in six weeks, six months, six years, you slip up with smoking, you call me, you come back in, it's free. If you don't call me, there's nothing I can do. And equally the same to weight loss. If you do what I show you, you'll start to lose weight. You'll keep losing weight. If you don't bother doing the hypnosis, what's the point in coming back into my clinic to do another session if you haven't even done the first session? Right, right. So what I love about that is bringing in that client accountability. There's a whole uh, sequence that I... Yeah, there's a whole sequence that I... You can't your help. Right. You know, that's my, my line. You can't say to someone, here's a couple of hundred dollars, you know, make me skinny. And there they go home and they don't do anything. That that's not the way it works. You know what I mean? And it takes confidence as a therapist to say that to people. To 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 say that you gotta you gotta you know pull your own pull your boots up here. You know. Because I'm not going to do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. Yeah, I'd comfortably share there's a similar style that I'd use at times in terms of putting that accountability on the individual. That And, and there's two sides of this. One, one that some people would hear as a negative, though really it's coming at the, from the most positive way possible, that if there ever is a moment that a client is perhaps stalling out, not quite getting the results that they're looking for, it becomes a moment where my goal is to fully engage them back into the process to actually put the stuff all into use where, you know, one person on a negative perspective would say that, oh, that way they don't use the strategy and that way they have the blame elsewhere, which is not the intention that the more we draw them back in so that even inside of a client session, middle of the work, you're not interacting with me. I can tell you're kind of passively going through the motions 
that's a moment where we're going to shift that physiology. Well, great, stand up, let's do this. Well, great, move over here, let's do that now. Just re-engage them inside of that. Yeah, so so I agree with you 100%. You got to put in responsibility. Absolutely. You got to put in responsibility for people and you got to you got to you got to they've got to pull their part as well, you know, because a lot of people as you say they just don't they just want to come in and pay you money and say, right, make me skinny, make me this, make me this or you can't, you know, I bet you can't make me stop smoking. I'm like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> right. I'm not going to disagree with you there. I can't make you stop smoking. You have to want to stop smoking. And if you want to stop smoking, yeah, I will work with you as your partner. And, and my line would often be to people, look, if you fail, uh, I fail. You know, if you succeed at stop smoking, you're going to tell everybody how you stop. So I succeed. Um, and again, as I said, I just say to people, like, I'm not a psychic. You know, if you do slip up, if you, if one guy gave us a bad review on our Facebook page, a two-star review, and he said, we had, you know, our clinic had poor follow-up for his smoking. Now, this guy came in, stopped smoking, uh, did a video with us, said, hey, he stopped smoking. He works across the road from our clinic in a hair salon, because I, I got a sister off, so I knew where he worked. And he, he gave us a two-star review saying we had poor follow-up on his smoking. Like, in other words, he'd probably slipped up and gone back smoking and not told us. <laughs> so we either have to have mystical powers that we can guess that at some stage he decided to start smoking and then we were supposed to figure that out somehow without knowing. Um, so, you know, this is the type of thing you have to deal with, that people actually do slip up and then they, they don't tell you and then give you a bad review because they slipped up and didn't tell you. So, and it's free to come back. So, like I said, it, it, it's a great protection for the therapist because the therapist can go, but it's free. You know, it's free to come back. All you got to do is call us. And then it's free to come back and they don't call and that's the way it works. So it, it gets you gets you on the on the either the smoking or the weight loss in this model. Is there a is there a story perhaps of a specific client where uh, even you were a bit surprised in terms of where the process took them? If I'm honest, I don't really get into sort of the emotional side of it right. as much as maybe as maybe as I should. As in sort of you know I'm all reading because my dad didn't talk to me when I was four. You know I really just look. I'm not really into the retrospective. I'm more into the into the futuristic. I'm looking at the, you know, well, look, this is, you've tried this, and you've tried this, and you've tried this, and you've tried this, and nothing's worked. So let's just leave the past where it is and try and concentrate on re-education um, and trying to get you to understand what you've been doing wrong and to also take responsibility for it and say, look, you know, whatever happened to you, it's, it's sad that that happened when you were a child or whatever, but it's not really going to fix the problem. So now we need to move forward. And that's really, I suppose, the difference in, in my practice. Even though I'm trained as a psychologist, I don't, I don't do counseling. I'm not, you know, within the realms of the clinic, I will, but not on a one-to-one sort of counseling sessions and to try and help people understand why they're overeating. That's not really what I do. It's more just about the practical side of things, the hypnotherapy part of things, the education part of things, the behavioral therapy side of things. That's really what I try and focus on. Yeah, well, it becomes that mindset that there might be some backstory there yet to instead let everything yeah. become that catalyst, let every beca- everything become that yeah. asset. They're the same the same map into the problem is often the same map out of it. Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's just a case of moving forward. Uh, you know, an awful lot of people will, will you know, blame everybody that they're overweight or blame everybody that they can't stop smoking. And I think the key is, as a therapist, you've got to know, like, you've got to take responsibility yourself, the person. And you've got to say to them, you know, the first step in this journey is you've got to understand you're the one who's going to stop you smoking. Yeah, you're the one who's going to help you to lose the weight. You know what I mean? The therapist is there to help you understanding that hypnotherapy or any therapy is a complementary therapy, which is complements what you're already doing. But it is not a replacement therapy. You know, it can't just make you skinny when you don't do anything on your side of things. You have to 
look at the whole aspect of your life of you know education diet exercise you know you have to understand how your body works and what you need to do as well as tackle the psychology which the hypnotherapy does which it becomes that moment that so many people in hypnosis i mean briefly there's a quick story of a local hypnotist calls me up i've got someone coming in for sugar addiction we're on our fourth session dealing with forgiveness and she won't forgive her father of this event when they were when she was 10 years old what do you think i should do and the response was well i think you should work with her on the sugar issue um you know deal with what actually came into the office first of all i mean just yesterday here's a weight loss client that came in and the whole story was this recent breakup this recent breakup which yes you know connect with the client yes get some of the story yet it just took that one pointed question of going now the weight was still an issue even before you met this guy right yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's it. That's it, but and that's exactly what I'm saying is that yeah, you you can get too deep into something, and that's not the role of the, the hypnotherapist, you know, unless you're a counselor or so on. Like that can be, you know, we leave that to the counselors and and the CBT therapists who will see somebody for ten weeks discussing probably the same thing all the time. Uh, our job, I feel, as a, as a therapist, my job is to get results. And even at that, I probably do myself out of a lot of business because I would say to people, you know, they come into me for insomnia or, or anxiety. I'd say, let's just do one session. Let's do one session. We'll record it. You go home, listen to it for a few weeks, see how you find it. If it's all you need, great. If you feel you need another session, great. If you feel it's not doing anything for you, don't come back. I'm not going to do, you know, financially, it'd probably work out better, but I don't need the money that much that I want to be seeing the same person for six weeks charging them $100 a go, and then six weeks later to go, well, they feel exactly the same, and they badmouth you in your clinic. I'd rather get results and keep getting results or not take the client at all. You know, that, but that's just the way I operate. Uh, and I find it works well because I have a sort of no BS attitude, uh, and they know that as well, where I do come across a lot of therapists, and I'm sure it's the same in the States, that there's some of the people who come in and say, I've done eight weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy, didn't make a difference. Uh, I did eight weeks, you know, six months of counseling, didn't make a difference. I felt worse afterwards because they said, open these childhood wounds. So I'm a firm believer that hypnotherapy can help people in a quick and effective way rather than a long, drawn-out way, which just benefits mostly the, the, the counselor rather than the patient. Which that's the element that I really want to highlight here, that there are some people who would listen to what we've talked about so far of you can come back for additional sessions once you've lost this benchmark in terms of losing weight. Uh, You can come back for the stop smoking provided you've done these things, which there would be some that that would just invoke fear within the practitioner of, no, I can't do that. No, I shouldn't do that. Yet there's a real element of transparency inside of how you're approaching yeah. this around, well, here are the principles. Here's it's the, the metaphor that I always use is that you can't go buy a hammer and try to return it and say it didn't work. The tool's only as good yeah, exactly, as we put exactly. it into and use. And another issue there, which is, which is a topic exactly on what you're talking about, is the issue of refunds. Now, you know, I'm, I'm specifically talking now about smoking. And I've, I've had to learn this myself, and I've only recently introduced this. What I found was I've, I've had to, over the past five years, refund maybe five people, maybe six, yeah, who are just, you know, being the type of clientele that you probably shouldn't have dealt with in the first place, mm-hmm. and who make no effort at all, and just like within the day, ringing you saying, I want my money back, it didn't work. Now, looking at the fact the first instrument I give them is a recording at our own session to do it for two weeks to try and reinforce it. Uh, so what I've had to do, and, and the thing about it is, someone said this to me, and it was like a light bulb moment. They said, well, how do you know it didn't work? You know, they could still be off cigarettes. 
I had a woman who, who actually came to me, stopped smoking with me, rang me five days later because she wasn't happy with, it, with the customer service. You know, I, I, watch, I said, what do you want me to do? Stop you smoking again? I can only do it once, you know? <laughs> she was still off cigarettes, but she wanted more follow-up or more interaction with me, more time, you know, more phone calls. Uh, and because I didn't have every day to talk to her on the phone, she was like, she wasn't happy with the service, even though I had stopped her smoking. So what I've learned to do now is I have a contract in my office for the smokers, and they sign it, and the contract says, I understand by doing this that I can get unlimited sessions, but there's no refund under any circumstance, because you have that unscrupulous people who will stop smoking, but um, may claim to still be smoking so they can get a refund. No, it's that element of transparency that... You know, as they're hearing the sort of, you know, wide open honesty inside of it, that this is what the approach is, this is what the rules are. Um, you know, there's some that I would say haven't even started their own businesses out of the fear of what if someone says this, what if someone says that, which the simplest thing is just simply practice clean, be ethical in your approach, be open and honest. And it's where on a phone call, I might tell someone every reason why they're going to be successful, but also in the same format as you, give them the criteria as to what's not going to make it work. So here's your part of it, which for the most part, that that person who would be, again, the phrasing of shouldn't have taken even in the first place, they're just not going to book generally as long as that's presented. Yeah, they'll, they'll say, I'll have a look and ring you back if you're blunt with them. And that's you're better off for you and you're better off for them. Uh, and another another aspect on that subject is is clients who you just can't help. You know, I don't, I don't tend to see children. It's not my speciality. I don't tend to see women, women with, you know, maybe female issues. That is not my speciality. I have a certain niche of certain things that I would do. Um, and, and it's very ethical that you have to understand what you can do, what you can't do, and also how hypnosis can help and also how it can't help. So people ringing up who are chronic alcoholics and, you know, they should be in a, in a, in a rehab center. You know, one session of hypnosis isn't really for them, you know? Whereas if somebody rings and says, okay, I'm drinking a little bit too much wine at the weekend, I'm not an alcoholic, I just want to cut out the wine and cut back the wine, well, you know, hypnotherapy can help. But it's very important to know the difference. And recently I was invited into the Psychology Society of Ireland um, to do a lecture for continual professional development for the psych clinical psychologists. And it's the first time ever that they've allowed a clinical hypnotist in to talk to them, to give these CPD points, which are points they have to accumulate every year, doctors and psychologists to keep their license, um, to do that. And they sat in a room and they watched me do the lecture and they said that's what they were looking for, is to say not so much what hypnotherapy could help them with, um, but also what it couldn't help them with and the ethics behind that, because we all have come across life coaches and therapists who are claiming, you know, they can cure cancer with, with this therapy or the other therapy, you know, so it's, it's very important to be clean and ethical as well. Outstanding. So setting aside uh, the clinic that you're running, what would you say has been the most effective thing in terms of getting your name out there, getting people to discover you and actually getting them in the office to, uh, to quit smoking or get their blue plate? <laughs> well, I suppose I suppose my my my, my background um, as a journalist, for as I said, I was a very prominent journalist in my own country for a long, long time uh, until I went back to college. So I do, and I would sort of say that would be my sort of unique selling point in the clinic is that that I'm able to generate within the past day or so, I've generated in the region of fifty to hundred thousand dollars of free publicity for my clinic. Um, by piggybacking on a story that's come out of Japan about smokers being offered um, extra days, uh, non-smokers, should I say, in companies being offered extra days, uh, holidays, 
I can think of for the time that smokers take on smoke breaks. Uh, so I sort of reissued a press release saying that you know companies in Europe, uh, and again I'll probably do it in America and everywhere, saying that companies need to look at this. Uh, I've learned methods and I have methods in place in my marketing team that can get a press release out to everybody uh, in the media, both in Ireland and England and uh, further afield. Uh, we actually ended up in media in, in California yesterday as well. Uh, with these type of, you know, coming up with an angle. And once you come up with an angle, you get your name out there. Once you get your name out there, you become the expert in that field in whatever, you know, in whatever state you're in, whatever county you're in, whatever city you're in. You know, it's really about marketing yourself as the expert. And also, I think as well, we've expanded and we're expanding more uh, every single week. This this week, we're expanding into small businesses, therapists, how they can get free marketing, uh, free publicity. Last week, we're doing mental health talks in uh in city councils and in pharma companies. Uh, we have another partnership in, in Ireland and England uh, with online sales. We sell our programs at discounted rates, online audio programs. Uh, we have sessions on our website which can be downloaded anywhere in the world. So like, there's, there's, it's about having a lot of iron, a lot of irons in the fire, um, including you know, stage hypnosis, including corporate speaking, including marketing. You know, there are so many different things that we can do with clinical hypnosis um, if you know how to do it and if you can, can market yourself in that way. Yeah, on the media side, what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions that people would have in terms of reaching out and getting that news story out there? It's, it's, it's really, I suppose, as a former journalist, I would say to any uh, therapist or any person who's in business listening, you really got to look at uh, you look at the story from an editor's point of view. It's not about, you know, Mary the hypnotist in Cleveland uh, is great and you should write about her because she's a really nice person. <laughs> You've got a, a really clever trick is to set up Google, uh, your Google alerts to with the words clinical hypnosis, hypnosis, hypnotherapy. Uh, what that means is that anytime any, any words, any stories around the world, uh, come up on Google, on news feeds, that you can take that story. So, for example, you know, what I would be doing if I was in America now is I would be looking at the Japanese story and I would be issuing a press release in, in Cleveland or New York or Los Angeles or, or even all over America. And I would be saying, you know, eminent clinical hypnotist, you know, Jason says, <laughs> uh, says that, uh, you know, American companies need to follow the Japanese leads. Uh, and give six days leave for every non-smoker to make up for the time the smokers are on the smoke breaks. Now, you're not saying, you're not bringing this into your company, you're just saying they should follow the lead. That's a topic, it's a hot topic. Smoking is always a hot topic. Employment relations, health, mindfulness, all this stuff in the, in the employment uh, sphere is really a hot topic. And it's the type of thing that chat shows want to talk about. It's the type of thing that gets people commenting on Facebook and on forums. And it's, you know, the radio shows want you and that's a way of gaining as I said we've gained around fifty to a thousand thousand hundred thousand pounds worth of free publicity in the past two days just by this method. You know what I mean? Tagging onto something, making yourself the expert and then getting it out there, figuring out a way, a system in your office that you can get it out there uh, to your local media and get you on radio, get you known, get you as the expert um, uh, within your field and within your wider audience of your, you know, not just your county, your city, but also your country, you know? So that's what I would say is, is a really good trick for people to do. Yeah. That the biggest thing is again, going back to the mindset of the editor that, um, you know, it's yeah. one of my catchphrases when I'm talking on the business side, which is that nobody wants your newsletter. You know, I'm going to send you something just because it's Wednesday Yeah, exactly. as opposed to here's this really hot story and here's an interesting twist. Yeah, 
said, as a journalist for years, the last thing people want, that can be a local newspaper, it can be a national or international newspaper, it doesn't matter. All they want is something that's unique and special, you know what I mean? So you need to, to target your audience. You need to find out what you're doing. You've got to come up with an angle. Uh, you need to make it a little bit controversial, a little bit controversial, because if you make it a little bit controversial, then people will find, you know, they want to talk about it. It, it, will, it will really bring up uh, a focus, you know, really bring up a focus. That's really what you're looking at, you know? And that's what, you know, that, that's really, I think, what you need to focus on, is learning those methods, how to do that, how to get it out there. Um, so that's, that's, I suppose that's the best tip I can give people is another way I've done it is rather than hiring expensive PR companies make a list of go on to spend an hour or two on your computer get a list of all the media in your area you know, all the local newspapers all the mainstream newspapers all the radio stations get a list and put together an email of a hundred different uh, media outlets and have it on your desktop so all you got to do is cut and paste those email addresses into any email BCC them to send the email to yourself and BCC it to, to all these uh, media companies with a press release, you know? And that's how you get the publicity, and that's how you become the expert. And if you look at people who are very prominent with this in the hypnotic world, people like Richard Barker, uh, there's another guy, Eric, in Sweden, uh, who's generated huge amounts of publicity. Me and him would, would come up with ideas all the time. Uh, we did publicity all over the place in September for the movie It. Uh, we tagged onto that, having people with a fear of clowns. A few months before that, we did publicity for the movie Get Out, uh, the hypnosis uh, scene oh, yeah. and that. We put on TV and radio talking about that. We're now doing it uh, again, as I said, today we're doing it with the smoking. Uh, I've got three or four other ideas we're working on, and we're also expanding our press coverage into the UK more, and, and eventually I'm going to be expanding it into America. Well, there's so much opportunity out there. There's still not enough of us to help all of those, uh, as I say, the muggles out there. So um, <laughs> yeah, spreading that yeah, awareness, yeah. and it's where, again, the... uh, people don't understand that. I think it's important as well. Uh, as therapists and as hypnotists that we explain also the, the clear differences between what a stage hypnotist does or even if it's the same person but I would say to people I do stage hypnosis but I you know I will never we don't do anything like that in the clinic you know in the clinic I strictly do progressive relaxation uh, on stage I do instant induction so it's a completely different thing you try to explain to them the principles behind and the differences between the two different types of, uh, of hypnosis you know and, and that's what I find is, is, is a very clear cut uh, definition between the two types of hypnosis. Yeah, absolutely. Now, briefly on the stage hypnosis, there's a there's a market that you mostly yeah. work within that many people don't. Tell us more about uh, doing hypnosis shows at weddings. Yeah, well, so so I paid my way through college. As I said, yeah, an interesting backstory is while I was a journalist, I started working as a musician just to pay you know make extra money the weekends, and I did that all the way through college when I quit journalism. So I and I did that at weddings, you know, playing in a wedding band. Now I don't know what the scenario is in, in the states, but in Ireland, there's a huge market for weddings. Like the average spend in an Irish wedding would be between twenty and thirty thousand dollars. Uh, that's the average band. Uh, guests would be anywhere between 80 and 250. So it's, it's a big business, and we get a lot of Americans coming back to Ireland to get married in our castle and so on. So it's a big business. Nearly every wedding that I've ever appeared in or been on a guest uh, and perform with my band, and that's over a thousand weddings, have always just had a band and DJ. That tends to be the way it works in Ireland. You know, we're, our weddings are later than you guys in America, I know that, but we would have sort of, the band would go on at sort of half nine, they'd finish half 11, 12 o'clock, and then a DJ would play at two in the morning. That, that's the format of Irish weddings. 
when the meal is finished, while the band is setting up, there's this lull, if you want to call it that. Okay, they finish the speeches, they finish the meal, it's quarter past or half eight, the band bring their gear in, they start testing and sort of you know, getting their equipment in. All the guests are sitting there bored beyond belief. So I developed a thing called the Wedding Hypnotist, and I talked recently some very well American hypnosis experts, and they were just blown away for it. Some of these people have been doing hypnosis for 40 or 50 years, and I've never, ever even come across this idea. I said, but this is a difference. Everybody I've come across in the entertainment industry wants to be famous. Uh, so they will actually do gigs to get them, uh, you know, they want to do theaters, they want to do Vegas, they want to do this, they want to do that. But the problem with an awful lot of that market is ticketing events is that you don't get paid or you'll get paid last. Or, you know, there's a whole lot of things you got to worry about. Is there going to be people in the venue and so on? Even the biggest names have to worry about that. Uh, today, and, you know, the Mark Savards and the Kevin Levanes and all these people, you know, they've got it nights where it's not as busy. Uh, and if you're on a, on a sort of fall wall where you're just renting the room or you're trying to sell tickets to the local club, you know, you got to worry about these things. The wedding market, I turn up at a wedding at 8 o'clock in the evening, mm-hmm. half 8, I put 15 chairs on a dance floor, I do my routine, I get my volunteers, I put my people under, I do 40 minutes of hypnosis, 9.30, I finish, boom, envelope of cash, I'm gone. There's no posters, no advertising, there's no PR, there's no worry about ticket sales, there's no, uh, there's nothing, there's no late nights, there's literally no equipment. Do you know what I mean? And it's a unique and special uh, thing. And I've got uh, roughly in the region of 60 weddings already, 60 shows already booked in for next year uh, and, and going into 2019. And I only started doing stage hypnosis three years ago next month. I love it. So I love it. It's a record that nobody can come close to. And we're already expanding uh, into other parts of Europe, Spain, England, uh, and so on, into the wedding market there, into the event market there, um, because it's wide open. And again, if, you, if you're a stage hypnotist, um, you've got this whole market in America. You're all going after the college market and the fair market and a couple of the corporate gigs. Uh, nobody's going after the wedding market. And it's ready, it's, it's there, uh, it's a unique and special product that you can bring to a wedding market. Uh, it's, it's a very specific advertising channel that you go into, people who are getting married, you promote it on your Facebook page, good funny videos, boom, and you, you, you can generate a, a huge income at doing even more than one a night, which I've done on occasion, maybe two to three weddings in a night. Which the beautiful thing inside of all of this, whether it's the the clinic that you run, whether it's the news media that you've obtained, yeah. or even the the stage hypnosis, that to, to never be in that place of just sitting around hoping the phone will ring. That um, the actor comedian Kevin yeah. Pollock has a line that I live by: that if you're not creating, you're waiting. And instead, get out there, create yeah, the exactly. business. And that's, that's that's the problem. That's the difference between winners and losers. That's the difference between hustling. Like I consider myself, I would say, within the business field of hypnosis, as you say, whether it be online, whether it be on stage, whether it be in the clinic, whether it be seminars, whether it be media, it doesn't matter. I consider myself a fisherman. That's what I would say. People say, well, what do you mean a fisherman? I said, I just sit every day and I put lines in the water. I'm throwing lines into the water. I'm throwing lines into the water. Every email is a line into the water. Every call, every Facebook message, it's a line into the water. Some of them will just come back and there'll be nothing. They won't even respond. And that's just the way it is. Other times, people will bite. And that's really what the key is, is that 
you'll be surprised. They said you could release a press release every week and get nothing out of it. And then you send one and it goes viral like this one did. The same one happened to me around uh, four months ago. We did a wedding video where uh, you probably heard of the, the singer, Conor, the Irish fighter, Conor McGregor. Uh, he's huge online. He's huge everywhere around the world. We did a wedding in Ireland where we, we hypnotized this kid uh, to say, when he opened his eyes, your favorite celebrity's going to be in the room. Of course, his favorite celebrity is Conor McGregor. And this guy just ran around the ballroom in this hotel in Ireland looking for Conor McGregor in the toilets and under the table. <laughs> and then we sort of pointed out some guy in a Bicky Bow and he, it was a friend of his, but he didn't recognize him. He thought it was Conor McGregor. Uh, and started running around the venue chasing his friend. And we had a video guy with us. We got it on video. We sent it out to the media and it went global. We're getting paid now through uh, one of the website companies for the rights to that video on YouTube. So, you know, we might get a, a few hundred dollars a month from the rights to this video because uh, they're selling it they're selling it, you know, a, a, a booper clip, you know what I mean, around the world. So there's all these different markets that you can get into, but it's it's about the fishing lines, you know what I mean? you got to throw the fishing lines and throw the fishing lines and throw the fishing lines and, and all you need is one to stick. Like for me, it was the weddings, you know what I mean? The wedding one stuck and it were generating huge income out of it for the, for the weight loss and smoking clinic, that stuck. Uh, that works for this thing this week with the smoking, uh, that stuff, you know, with the media. So, you know, a lot of them won't bite. You won't get bites on a lot of them, but the ones you do get uh, really pay off. You only need to get one or two to, to have a very comfortable life. Outstanding. Uh, fantastic having you on here, Jason. Where can people find you online? So you can have a look at that. There are, my website is jasonocallahan.com. That's for my stage and my biogs and things like that. And then www.d4, that's the letter D, the number four, clinic.ie is my clinic website. So we have two websites there, one for my personal on stage and one for my clinic. Uh, and also you can look up my name, Jason O'Callaghan, uh, on Facebook as well and, and, and other social media. You'll find me no problem as well. Outstanding. We'll put links to those over in the show notes over at uh, WorkSmartHypnosis.com as well. Uh, Jason, thanks for being on here. Thank you, Jason, for having me. Well, that was Jason O'Callaghan. And once again, this is Jason Lynette. Thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it online and leaving your feedback over on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, basically every podcasting medium that's out there. And once again, head over to hypnoticbusinesssystems.com where you get the all access behind the scenes pass to my Netflix for your hypnosis business training library. Learn what works. Learn what doesn't work. Learn from the mistakes that I've made over the years so you're able to jump in and start building that profitable, successful business right away. Join our community over at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. See you on the inside. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.